You're listening to DSC's featured series, Disability Done Different, COVID Conversations. With the overwhelming situation of COVID-19 affecting us all, we believe that communication is key right now. So we'll be talking to people throughout the disability sector to discuss the unique problems the pandemic is creating for the sector and keep the conversations happening through these times. You can find the video for this episode at teamdsc.com.au. All right, here's what's going to happen now. Hello and welcome to our podcast. We are DSC. Your turn, you're the boss. Disability Disability done done different, different. candid conversations. Hope you are ready because we're starting. So, welcome to COVID Conversations, one of the many, many pivots that's happening in the disability sector at the moment and and around the world. What used to be candid conversations will be COVID Conversations for at least the next few months. Welcome, co-host Vanessa Toy. Hi, everyone. And welcome uh, Libby Mears from CEO of Leisure Networks. Just want to quickly explain our relationship with Libby. We've known her for, I think, six years, five five to six years. And Libby was in really hot demand and we were one of the people that chased her hard in the early days of the trial site of Barwon and getting those lessons from the Barwon trial site. And everybody was so eager and just, you had so many visitors and so many tourists coming through that you almost had to limit the number of tourists coming through, Libby. But um, welcome, Libby. And can you tell us a bit about Legend Networks. Oh, thanks, Roland, and it's great to see you both again. It was really lovely to think back to those days, actually, because it was just so exciting. And um, Legend Networks was very small. We had about 20 staff, and we've now expanded to about 150, and really in the space of community, community inclusion. Um, we also got a team of support coordinators. Uh, we work in the financial plan management space, and we've also got a really nice innovative um, SIL model that we're we're developing. Uh, great team, very enthusiastic uh, uh, bunch of people I work with. So you've diverged a bit in the last three years since we last spoke, but I know that's not where you want to start. <laughs> well, it sounds divergent, but also it, it 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 also sounds in line with everything you were trying to do before as well, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's been our, um, <clears throat> excuse me, our driving mission, absolutely about connecting. How do people be more connected, whether they're more enabled or more connected, for sure. Mm-hmm. Libby, I wanted to start just by checking in, you know, how, how are you going at the moment at Leisure Networks in this outrageous time? Wow, what an amazing time. I cannot be more proud of the team that I have. Um, resilient, adaptive creative, really working um, well under under these circumstances. We have some people working in a couple of the offices in a very safe way where their work can't be done outside, but the majority of the team are working at home. But, you know, I'm really interested in how our frontline guys are going because I think that's where the rubber hits the road at the moment. So, finger on the pulse every day. Um, but feeling... But not big layoffs, no big layoffs? Pardon me? No big layoffs? No, no. We're working really hard to keep things moving. We've had a downturn for hours with some of our casual support workers, so yeah. that would be the, the main area, particularly uni students for sure, yeah. One of the reasons we were most excited to talk to you um, about what was going on and why you're highest on our hit list was your emphasis um, three mm-hmm. and four years ago on culture. And you talked about, and I, I still remember it, wanting to make sure that people were able to respond to the unknown. The unknown three and four years ago was the emerging NDIS. And um, we thought that that was a really difficult situation. Little did we know what a really difficult situation looks like. So we wanted to ask you, 
did that were you were we all banging on because we were banging on about the same things did, mm -hmm. has that worked out for you your emphasis on culture now that you're really um the rubbers need, hit the road well you need oh, it. yeah like i'm obsessed <laughs> just no, no. Say, i have a relentless pursuit of culture and it is just not negotiable and so how that has helped us i think over the seven years is to just recruit amazing people like we we just have this incredible team and i know all ceos believe that um, because you're so passionate about the people that we support we do great work but absolutely roland it has been something that has enabled us to pivot to be flexible to think differently to be comfortable with uncertainty all the things that are absolutely utmost now um, our people and how they respond to this is just part of the day-to-day uh, so not saying it's not hard, though, because this is big and how people respond outside their day-to-day -day work uh, can be really different depending on their own personal circumstances. And what are you seeing? What is the most challenging things that are yeah, happening? I, um, look, I think that it, just even today, the announcement that school is now going to be home, homeschooled for term two. So straight away, I did a video message out to my team through Yammer letting them know this is the messaging and we will be in contact with every parent individually to talk to them about what your individual circumstances look like so you know 10 minutes after that announcement i was letting them know we will touch base and i think everybody needs a personal response so that varies some love the idea of having their kids at home and that balance of you know keeping their, their kids with them others um, are going to find that more difficult I think it also depends on the role that people are undertaking and as I was saying before frontline workers this is this is big this is really big for them but our support coordinators as well working with people in heightened areas heightened um, times of crisis it feels a lot more like a crisis response service at the moment for support coordinators so it's an individual response to a common issue and that's what we're trying to um, take our approach with can I can I ask you about the balance? I, I want to keep on culture for quite a while because I think you're such a. Mm -hmm. I, I can think of all the quotes I've quoted you about over the years are starting to flood back to me, which is great. I, I want to do a couple of them and then ask you a question about culture. One of the things you set the high water ground for me in terms of workforce recruitment and what a workforce strategy should be, because my um, eldest daughter Colette didn't work for us, didn't work in the in this particular part of the sector, but her friends on Facebook were saying come work at Leisure Networks. And it's like they had no idea of any of the connections. And for me, that's the high point of staff recruitment when you can get your staff voluntarily putting on Facebook, come work here because it's great. And so that's one of the things that I, I thought was just amazing about what you were doing. But the other thing you were doing was using um, technology in a re remote way mm -hmm. to also support culture. And you just mentioned about using Yammer. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how technology is working for you? Look, I think technology has been a really great enabler for great cultural outcomes. And so it does mean that we want people to be comfortable using different technologies. So Yammer has just been like our internal Facebook, which we've used forever. And it's been about demonstrating or showing real life mission in practice. So what does it look like for people we support to be connected? So that's been lovely. Um, we use Microsoft 365, so we've got a whole suite of apps, including Teams, and Teams is just our, our go-to place. And what I love at the moment is that we're actually pushing ourselves into new ways of using Teams, using it through support, you know, supporting young people remotely um, 
doing different sorts of uh, support services with them. So our staff kind of go to technology as a real enabler, but we're still not there. We're still pushing to deliver more and more uh, innovative ways. So our technologies enabled us to be really clear about the face of leisure networks, both internally. When we recruit, we do people and videos just to get a feel, get people comfortable that this is going to be an organisation that wants you to embrace different ways of working. So from day one, I guess, we do that. And um, it's it's always, you've got to keep working on it. You've got to invest in training and you've got to lead the way. You know, I have to model it really clearly. And that, that balance that you always need to strike, and we're seeing some organisations are really struggling with trusting their workers to work from home, trusting their workers to be more autonomous. We've got a crisis that we've never seen before in our lifetimes, and the tendency in a crisis like this is to become authoritarian. No. Where are you going? <laughs> Completely. It's never about trusting my staff. I know my people. I know that they will work in the way that they need to work to support the people that they are doing amazing things for. So uh, I, I need to be the one supporting them and enabling them. And um, that's what I ask of them. Tell me how I can support you to be your best. It's never about trust because we have got people who, who believe so deeply in the work that we do that, you know, I have to make sure they're not burning out that they're not working too long, that they're actually putting an end to their day and getting balance with their family. Um, so that's my focus is how are my people going with their mental health? How are they going with their health and wellbeing? How are they getting outdoors and exercising? How are they managing to cook you know, nutritious meals and get the supermarket shopping done? I'm interested in truly what the whole person looks like, um, both what the work is that is being delivered for our our customers but very much what their whole lives look like so um that just isn't yeah because it's sort of such a long way along the scale and i'm seeing this in the leaders i'm talking to too that it's not i wouldn't have said that people are pulled towards authoritarian but i think you're pulled in one direction or another it kind of amplifies what was already happening sometimes if there was low trust <clears throat> It's a very difficult time to turn that around. Look, I think that there is definitely a different leadership style at different times required. And when this first kicked off, you know, March the 6th was our first comms out to our people. So early March, so it's a, a month now. And I remember bringing the leadership team into the boardroom and talking to them about, you know, I've got a public health background. I do understand some of this. Um, and I talked to them about what this could look like and what it means and um, and I said to them, you might see me being pretty direct and pretty clear and pretty concise in the next week or so because it's so important that we communicate with clarity and give people confidence that we understand that we can manage what we are moving into. And it might feel an unusual leadership style because that's not me all the time. And, and that's exactly what we did. We did a bit more command and control and certainly, but talking to people about why and what that means and then enabling the humanity and the compassion to, to always be around the edges as well. So I think we did have to flag a different approach. Um, and now we're getting into a rhythm and the rhythm is um, checking in every day. We've got our Teams meetings happening. I jump into to meetings all the time. Um, and it's it's real, you know. We've got to keep our real relationships and our connections 
um, really authentic and be quite vulnerable around that as well. We all have good days and bad days. I just want to summarise a couple of things you said because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a leadership webinar together and I know Vanessa will take it after I do the summary, but you just summarised um, three of the key things they're saying that you need to do. Um, be really clear about why you're making decisions so that you can bring along people with you. Be really um, honest and empathetic and hold the space for people. Um, be reassuring to people in the ways that you're making those decisions and make, make decisions that are, are direct when you need to. But um, Be direct, be directive. Yeah. 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 I think there needed to be and there still needs to be a single source of truth around what the organisation's doing and then a consistent follow-up with our, with our leadership team. And I know you've um, always been strong on direction and that's just almost, you've got to double down on that a bit at the moment, don't you? Yeah, I think you do. And, and only for a point in time. Yeah. So one of the things we've really had, you know, lots of chats around the leadership team is, okay, well, we said something two days ago, that's changed. That's changed because we've changed um, and we're responding to stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four now today. Uh, so helping people know that what we say today is what we say today and we're going to change the message when we need to and we're going to communicate it quickly so you can know what it means for you. And, yeah, so really quickly pivoting to this next phase and then the next phase. I think that's why the first three weeks were so exhausting <laughs> because there was so much change. Yeah. And Libby, I want to ask, check in with how you're going because I mean this is a this is a big time for a CEO of an organisation. You know what's what's supporting you at the moment? Oh well, a great team. So I really got a great team, and it's not a solo job here at all. But um, I've got a great life as well. We recently just moved to a farm, literally at the end of January. So just as all this happened, and so. I live now on 100 acres in a beautiful part of the world. Um, and so that probably is helping me get some energised time, you know, to just step outside into nature, which is which is just outside the door. So that's, that's a privilege, an absolute privilege to have that space. Um, I think that there, there is something about being able to lead strongly that is energising. And I enjoy that. And, you know, I think of my time in local government and, um, you know, there's always a crisis in local government, but I did manage the times through the Black Saturday, you know, in the Surf Coast Shire, very high fire risk. And I just remember the feeling of what people want to see, which is calm, confident, clear leadership, um, which is responding quickly. And, and I feel like that's something that I slip into. Um, certainly don't need to have that style all the time, but I can slip into it. And um, I'm also supported by a great board, really strong, supportive. Um, you can hear, yeah. Yeah. And you can hear how you can slip into it. And I guess part of my question is also how you sustain that and manage also to, to slip out of it again. Mm. That's what mm. happened, kind of, we get stuck there. Yeah, and I think it's, um, we're at a point where I can step back a bit and the leadership team can step up. And right. uh, we have got a COVID response, crisis response team. It's myself and the head of people and culture. That's an amazing, really supportive little duo, really. And, but the other leadership team members as well. So we're all stepping in and out as people need. I take time out. Like the other day I said, you know, I'm just going to take the afternoon off and really just down tools. And I encourage others to do that too. So when I talk about my people's mental health and wellbeing and balance, 
I've got to model that as well. So just saying, look, I actually feel a bit overwhelmed and I'm, I'm going to just have a couple of hours out. So that's being comfortable with vulnerability. That's being comfortable to say, yeah, I, I, I need a little break and we encourage everyone. And I think that helps people feel connected because everyone feels vulnerable at these sorts of times and um, we should show that so we can be supported. It's true. It sounds like you're giving a masterclass in, <laughs> in communication. One of the things I think a lot of leaders will be wondering is the frequency of communication. Can, can they communicate too much at the moment? Yeah, I think it is interesting. And we're starting to talk about, you know, we started off with really high-level messaging. And now I think it's actually coming down to the personal messaging and what it means for each individual. So, and the mechanism for messaging. So the, we're doing video chats and check-ins that are now just a bit more personal, a bit more connected. Um, I think you've got to communicate the right message at the right time to the right audience. And so cutting the segments, again, our frontline support workers, they really need to know we are doing absolutely everything to make sure they're safe. And so we're talking to them in a slightly different way to the support, our support coordinators, for example, who are needing to be supported and connected to buddy up around some of their crisis managing and working partners so that they can debrief when they need. So I don't think you can over-message, but I think you need to be clear and communicate the right message for the right people. We're also doing a lot of checking in. We have an amazing platform we use, CultureAmp, and that's surveying our people pretty regularly around their pulse. How are they feeling? And so that's giving us the data to help tailor our response to support people. One of our consultants recently said, she is so busy, creativity has gone out the window. So I know you're smart enough to handle a complex double barrel question, so I'm going to do that. Is it, is it still a time where we can foster creativity both in ourselves and the people we work with and the things that are changing now that you want to keep when COVID goes away? Oh, God, yes. It is my passion at the moment. In fact, we've got a hashtag for it because this is absolutely the time to learn and grow and shine. And so we've got a hashtag DWAC, D-W-A-C, which is don't waste a crisis. Well, <laughs> so what are the That's ideas? So cool. yeah, you're so a real cool. leader, Libby. Have you got a copyright on that? Can we use that? Well, you know what? It came from one of my board members who said, you know, don't waste a crisis. And I thought, I love that. And so I started thinking about it. And so now we've got hashtag DWAC ideas. And um, so what are the things we're trying out now that we want to think about carrying on with? What are the opportunities we're taking now that we've all got just different ways of working that we, we want to um, progress things that we haven't been able to? So a hashtag DWAC is really something we do as a leadership team pretty regularly. Um, what are people coming up with? What are people seeing? And this what is... What are you seeing, Libby? What's a couple of the top things that you're seeing? Yeah, well, probably one of the things is that technology, really pushing technology out yeah, into yep, yep. our frontline workers. So we've been using Teams pretty well, but not necessarily with our support workers. So getting all our support workers online on Teams, doing our on-call through Teams, not just, you know, through phones. So, so technology's been a very, very big driver. That's been fantastic. Testing um, structures, so tossing up the inclusion support team, team leader structures and, um, you know, separating out a few different, you know, team dynamics so that there's 
uh, alignment around people's skill sets. So again, some of those things might just stay stay in place. I think it's it's up for it's up for grabs, and I think that's what I want to energise our people with because yeah, we we can get a bit tired with the work, but you always get energised with new ideas and new things that are working. So to, to mm. flip it, it's just a perspective thing, really, isn't it? It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> but what about, I bet there's things that you've had to stop doing or you found yourself not stop doing that are you now questioning, do we even need to go back to those? Oh, absolutely. So, in fact, I feel, you know, I actually feel quite awful saying it. We have expected people, some of our leaders in Melbourne, to travel to yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. Like, how yeah. embarrassing is that? Um so, you know, never again should we do that. You know, it's a waste of time, four hours in a car, goodness gracious. So, you know, really getting rid of all of that stuff. I have to say the board meetings were pretty good online. I um, enjoyed them a lot and think that from a board perspective, there was really great engagement. Something about um, teams is you have to think about when you're going to speak because yep. you're not speaking over each other. So people speak with purpose um, and listen and I think it's making, if you're chairing them well, really good meetings as well. So mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So better kind of meeting conduct in a way. We're all we all have to share responsibility in making it work. That's I think we do. Yeah. And it's a level playing field, isn't it? That the people from country areas who previously had problems participating are now on the same playing field as everybody else. Absolutely. I heard Ed say that, and, yeah. and it's completely true. And yeah, yeah, completely. It's a very good uh, level playing field for sure. Well, speaking of level playing fields, last time three years ago, you, you talked about your concerns about people further out in the areas that you work in that are, don't have access to public transport. There's some pretty shitty public transport in some of your spaces. Are, are you worried about them at the moment? Yeah, look, that, that was one of the first things we did was stop all access to public transport and just get people in cars and using our fleet. And, and um, you know, because there is actually very difficult public transport if you're in Port Arlington or in yeah, Dentist yeah. Um, and they may have generally caught the bus in and had a support shift or so are asking us now to go out to them. So that is tricky, trying to navigate what individual support might look like um, and the sense of how do, how do we make it work. I think that this can potentially, this particular crisis can potentially exacerbate some of those inequities and some of those challenges for people and that's that's where just thinking differently. We did have some feedback from a couple of young guys who just said, "Oh, even if I could just talk to someone for an hour over the phone, you know, that'll that'll be really important for me, and I don't need to see them face to face." So, hearing what customers are thinking will add most value to their lives or most support to their needs is is really important. And that's we're doing these check-ins. We've um, created a, a role a wellness check coordinator and um, her role is to check in with customers every day and with staff every day and you get great uh, information when you take the time to listen to what people need and then yeah. how, hopefully we adjust. We're getting mixed messages about what's happening in the mm -hmm. sector and I wonder if you can help us at all. You were going to ask the same yeah. question. Yeah. Do you <laughs> want to well, no, you go and I'll ask a different one. Okay. So, we're hearing two sets of things. One is that there's a need for an enormous amount of new staff because um, people are concerned and they're not calling into work. And then the other one we're hearing is no, a lot of families um, and a lot of people are saying, we don't want new staff in our home. We only want trusted, reliable people that we know. And we're in fact not needing new staff in the sector and we're laying some of the less 
experienced and engaged and networked people off the books. Across the sector, do you have any better information or any? Look, I think um, I am part of a, a big CEO group, which is catching up regularly sort of Fridays. And um, it's, it does seem varied and it does seem to be dependent on the programs that they deliver. I'm feeling, you know, desperately sad for some of the providers who have got a real day program type um, model uh, that, that feels very difficult, very difficult space. But there's a real um, opportunity for them to pivot, isn't there? That's what you'd be saying. I bet you can't hold your tongue. Well, <laughs> it, it is certainly, but that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do at a time when people, support workers particularly, may feel vulnerable about what does it look like? What does my work now look like outside a, a setting that I'm confident and comfortable in? Very so, yeah, so I think it's um, every organisation is going to have their own challenges. But for me, the the second one that you suggested, we're kind of just laying, not laying off, but not rostering uh, our casuals who weren't necessarily working regularly and keeping very much the people who are um, confident and engaged with, with our customers. Our, our customers are also going through an interesting phase where many sort of stopped and just said, no, nothing for the moment, but now are really needing um, support, uh, feeling like there is, yeah, this is a long haul and that just being at home without being able to be supported to do some things is very difficult for them. So we're seeing a bit of a bit of a change, I think. Yeah. What's keeping you awake at night at the moment? Um, probably our frontline support workers, how to keep them feeling confident to continue their critical work. They are doing really important work supporting vulnerable people and I want them to do that with a level of confidence that we've got their back and that we are aware of how challenging that might be. Mm -hmm. um, so, and you know, that's just, I think probably for anyone who's got people that are in, uh, you know, right out in the front line working in the community in people's homes mm -hmm. or uh, meeting people and trying to take them shopping or take them to a medical appointment. Um, so they're, 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 a, they're a group that I'm, my people I'm interested in, but also then the other side, our support coordinators and the really complex lives that they're working through supporting. Um, that is Very feel they, yeah. they always carry a lot on their shoulders, and at the they moment, sure do. Yeah, we've been pretty pleased to see the decision to free up quarter. Oh. oh, awesome! Great decision. That was a great decision. Well done, NBIA. Yeah. <laughs> Freeing up yeah. quarter support coordination. So, if we just go back to the frontline workers for a moment, because I share those concerns, and I mean, what does having their backs really look like yeah, at the great moment? Question, yeah. Yeah, so I think our, our appointment of a wellness check coordinator was the first, well, we've, we've done many, many things, but this was something we've just done over the last week. And it's a person who's a previous support worker, but she's also a nurse who really understands great infection control practice and understands what the work looks like. She's checking in every day with staff around how they're feeling. So the general question around how are you, your mental health as well as your physical health, and particularly making sure that they have a chance to express uh, any concerns about any of the shifts that they're rostered onto, any of the environments that they might be in that they are just feeling need uh, someone to go and do a risk assessment for them. We do risk assessments, obviously, for all our in-home supports. But just that real conduit very regularly about the practical day-to-day -day doing your work, uh, and that gets elevated and um, escalated very, very quickly if there are any concerns. So that's been a really good... A really good um, 
appointment and a good response. But we, we're still asking them what else do they need and it's slightly different for each of them. And, um, you know, I think today's announcement around schooling at home is going to change people's perspective about how much work they can do. So um, things change regularly. We have to just keep asking people what it is that they need today and then tomorrow. Um, but yeah. So partly what they need is that kind of that responsive, really close and regular connection and support. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think so. They've got to be connected more than ever now. Yeah, yeah. Libby, I want to finish up with a, a historical question. And it's another quote I used to use from you that in the early days, so we're back in 2016, 2015, uh, I would quote you as saying that you spent several hundred thousand dollars on, you, you got you worked very hard with your board to say the NDIS is going to cost money and you got the okay to um, invest several hundred thousand dollars, which would have looked like a, a very red bottom line for 18 months or 12 months. And I remember I took in large groups and sometimes I'd edit myself and not say it because that someone would say, she's a crazy woman. You know, that's, that's insane. You can't spend money like that. How's that worked out for you investing so big so early? <laughs> oh God. Barely, I barely even remember it, Rob. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, well, we've grown from 1.7 to, I think, we'll be up around 8 point. Oh, well, we'll have to do a reforecast now, but, you know, up in the 8. So we have grown year on year, um, both in terms of revenue and, and we've been able to retain a surplus, which is really important to enable us to keep reinvesting in our people. Um, the reinvestment's always around quality and always around training and always around the staff requirements. We're doing a really interesting piece of work now around technology, though, so taking ourselves even further out to uh, enable great customer experience, improved efficiencies and connection across all the business. So we want technology. It's just a platform to enable us to deliver a new business model. So we're just about to launch our TED 2025 strategy, which TED stands for Transform, Excite, Deliver 2025. Um, and we're still on track to do that. And I, um, you know, this will, this will pass. This will pass. So we've got to manage this for the moment, but we can't stop thinking about the future because uh, the NDIS is just such an important uh, transformation for our country and it's delivering such important outcomes. So uh, we're going, we're going well. Thank you. No, you're a phenomenal role model, a supermodel mm. uh, for our industry. You've been fantastic, mm -hmm. So thank you so much for giving us your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It was wonderful to see you again. And oh, our aim is to get this out really quickly because the advice you're offering is yeah. contemporary, just needs to be out there in the market and people listening to it, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Oh, there's many people doing great things. I'm just, you know, I'm just privileged to be in the space, to be honest. Thanks, guys. You're doing great. Thank you, Libby. Thanks so much, Libby. You've been listening to DSC's featured series, Disability Done Different, COVID Conversations with Libby Mears from Leisure Networks. And remember, you can watch the video for this episode at teamdsc.com.au. And while you're there, you might also want to check out Roland's interview with NDIA CEO Martin Hoffman or last week's interview with the amazing and very funny comedian Tim Ferguson.